0: In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a pathetic, pining pyromaniac, an evil librarian, and how being agnostic saves the day in our discussion of Fallen by Lauren Kate. welcome to fictional hangover a podcast about young adult and new adult books series authors and voice actors that is full of spoilers i'm amanda
1: and i'm claire and today we're going to discuss Ford by lauren kate
0: standard disclaimer if you haven't read this book you know what i'm not e- i'm not even sad this book came out such a long time ago and if you haven't read it you deserve to be spoiled Please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. Or watch the movie. There's a movie, apparently, too.
1: There's a movie.
0: If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. There's a movie. There's a movie. There's a movie. And I think they're redoing it. I'm pretty sure... The first movie was, like, indie made in someone's backyard. But now they're redoing it, supposedly, and I think it's, it'll be better? Look, I put the original on in the background years and years and years ago, and I don't remember a one thing that happened. So I, I need to watch, I need to watch it.
1: I think I need to watch it as well, much to my disgust. I
0: know, I know, I know.
1: I'm I'm a little. There's no words, no words. And
0: that's fine. That's fine. Although it's fine. Again, I told you that I read this book when it came out. This is the last time I remember reading yes.
1: it. Yes, I remember you said that. Yeah. And this is one of these books that I've, I feel like I'm jumping ahead to initial thoughts. Um, it's one of these books where I've seen on the shelf a million times. I think I owned it at one point, but just never read it. And it just got, you know, when you go through your bookshelves and you're like, I'm never going to read this yeah. book <laughs> it's before podcast. Right. donate to charity. Right. So I think it's one of those books. Um, but i've read it now you have read it now and that is a
0: sentence that you can say
1: it is a sentence i can say my good reads confirmed yes
0: yes yes
1: do you want to skip to your initial thoughts or go straight to the Well my English? initial
0: thoughts are just that i read this a long long time ago when it first came out and but that is a sentence that, that, is can a sentence that i can say <laughs> Because if I said the rest of that sentence, it would be my surprise. And you have to wait till we get to that segment to learn. Let's not fall ahead too much. No, no. So for background info, I read an interview with Once Upon a Bookcase in 2009. Because that's when this book came out. And they said... Vampires, which is why I picked this question. P.S. No one is shocked by that. Vampires, werewolves, and fae have been shining in the YA urban fantasy spotlight. Why did you decide to go with angels? And Lauren's response is, It's strange to say this now that I've written the book and pay so much attention to the market and what else is being published, but I'm not sure I really thought about vampires or werewolves as I was writing, which is wrong. Always think about vampires.
1: All vampires. (laughs) All All vampires all
0: the time. She goes on to say i've read two of the twilight books i love melissa marr's wicked lovely books but if fallen is an answer to those books it's just as much an answer to any book that's ever inspired me that said i do love this kind of energy around paranormal romances right now it's definitely an exciting time to be participating in the genre plus i eavesdropped on a conversation in the bookstore the other day and heard someone say that angels were the new vampires sounds good to me and i remember that happening I remember yeah. that. There were so many angel books that
1: came out around this same time. And yeah, it was I weird. Them. Yeah, and I know I kept thinking, why? Why? Yeah. Angels have never... I said this last week when we talked about White Hot Kiss. Angels are not a genre I've ever really particularly like, been enticed by.
0: Yeah, the only angels that I like are fallen angels.
1: Ooh.
0: Oh. Which, spoiler alert, if you haven't figured out
1: by the title of this book, <laughs> <laughs> fallen. Now, you, you say spoiler alert, but right at the top you said, I don't care. Anything. It's been out for that long. It's too late. <laughs>
0: it's too late and also that doesn't really spoil the
1: statute of limitations yes. is past, well past. and it
0: also doesn't really spoil anything about this book because that's not yeah but also it's not even it's barely even mentioned it's like one paragraph <laughs> anyway let's get started shall we yes I was I about think to say so. something
1: but it's part of my discussion so I'm going bite my tongue save it
0: save it save it <laughs> because I know what it is and I want to say the same thing but save it Halston England (laughs) September 1854 he sketches her in secret before he leaves for India or America it doesn't matter where then he feels her presence she tells him she couldn't sleep and asks about his trunk outside the door insert pining here She sees his sketchbook and realizes he's been drawing her. He tells her to have warm milk with a spoonful of treacle to help her sleep, a recipe her mother used to give her. He can't tell her how he knows that, or how many times he's given it to her when the shadows come. She asks if she can go with him. He tells her no. If he leaves, he'll save her life. They've done this before, again and again. And again. They can never touch. She can never remember. Only he remembers. And can never change the course of their lives.
1: <laughs> 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 Sorry.
0: It felt so really important.
1: Attention. It was needed. It really was. I'm so glad you did like it like <laughs> Oh, that was delicious. Thank you. Can we just end it now? Done! <laughs> Done. Let's move on to discussion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I suppose we should talk about the rest of it. Luce barges into Sword and Cross, late for her first day of reform school. The instructor shouts something about meds, beds, and reds as Luce evaluates the other three newbies in the room with her. The girl is Neutrogena commercial pretty and introduces herself as Gabby. One boy, Todd, seems super stunned about finding himself there, and the other, Cam, looks like the poster boy for a reform school. Mm-hmm. Ooh. He has a black tattoo peeking from his It's
0: collar. not a snake, though. Mm-hmm. It's not a living snake. It's not. It's can't, not.
1: It's disappointing what it is. Can't compare. He holds Luce's gaze unlike the other two. Reluctantly, Luce has to hand over her cell phone, meaning she's losing all contact with her best friend, Callie. Luce is not sure how much her parents know about the restrictions, cameras, and condescending attitude of the staff at Sword and Cross. People keep talking to Luce like she's a psychopath, but like them, she would love to know what happened in the cabin too.
0: As the instructor is dismissing them from orientation, Arian, which her name is pronounced Arian, which is a terrible name, Arian, Arian comes in gives the instructor some sass and is volunteered to show Luce around. She isn't the Little Miss Sunshine the instructor calls her. The dress code calls for all black and after the cabin fire left her hair patchy, Luce's mom shaved all her long black locks off. Arian takes Luce on a basic tour of the depressing institute, which boils down to her pointing at buildings before sitting in a grassy section. It's not the Ivy League prep school she was at before summer, Arian asks the
1: obvious question. What is Luce in for? Luce has been trying to tell Trevor about the murky shapes she saw in the darkness, but before she could, he was gone. (gasps) Burn. (gasps) Luce had always seen and heard them. Her parents got her eyes tested, ears tested, and made her through rounds and rounds of therapy before putting her on antipsychotics. Nothing. Luce had to lie about not seeing the shapes of the darkness to come off the pills, but the therapy continued. Back on the
0: grass, Arian says how much she likes Luce's haircut, and says that she wants it too. So she pulls out a Swiss army knife she grabbed from the confiscation bucket, and Luce cuts her hair off. Awesome. The back of Arian's neck is puckered and scarred from being burnt. And while the scars don't bother Arian anymore, they remind Luce of Trevor. Arian continues to give Luce the rundown about the school, including to avoid the inmates with the electronic tags, because they're the real psychos. Yes, Arian has one. (laughs) Once her (laughs) new haircut is completed, Arian takes Luce around the school, where a few students are congregated before class. There, Luce sees a boy who is so attractive... It makes Luce pine and forget <gasps> where she is. She can see herself in his arms. Arian tells her that's Daniel Grigori and that he's a mystery man. Daniel turns and looks at Luce, recognition flashing in his eyes before he flips her off.
1: <laughs> Rude. What? <laughs> Okay. As class starts, Cam and Arian start having a go at each other. Clearly, they aren't friends. Cam gives Luce a guitar pick with his room number on before Arian pushes him away. Luce has not been in the school for an hour, and already there are two good-looking guys on her radar. Oh. Mm. Mm, hotties mm, everywhere. Hotties. I pine. I pine. Arian gives Luce productive lessons in not passing by airplane what's good for lunch, and the fine art of selecting a cafeteria seat. Unfortunately, Molly, the angry pixie, shoves Luce in the lunchroom, covering her in meal. Mm. Arian, who obviously hates Molly, lets her fists fly and is rewarded with a zap from her wristband for the pleasure. Luce, Arian and Molly are all given early morning detention and Molly finishes her bullying by dumping more food over Luce and photographing it for posterity. Daniel watched the whole scene, so Luce just wants to cry, but she runs off to the bathroom instead. Oh!
0: To pine! Oh! 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 As Luce is trying to clean up, Pennyweather van Lockwood, you can call me Pen, pops in with shampoo and hands Luce extra clothes. Luce is suspicious of her good intentions, but she seems genuine, and she is, and we love Pen. Pen isn't like the other inmates. She is the groundskeeper's daughter, so she gets to attend Sword and Cross for free and helps out in the office, which allows her to read everyone's files. Technically, though, she is the ward of the principal, as her father died. Once Luce is cleaned up, they head to their afternoon classes.
1: After classes, Luce is finally able to go to her room, which may lack personality but isn't actually too bad. She starts to think about how close her parents are, but how abandoned she feels, missing Callie and Trevor. She hadn't really dated Trevor before his death, they just had a stolen hour at a party that ended when they kissed and the fire came. Her thoughts are interrupted by a knock at her door and an airplane note stuck onto the cork board. The arrow scrawled on it, pointing to Arian's door. Unfortunately, Erin can't hang out that night, so instead Luz heads to the library and meets the librarian, Sophia Bliss. Heading to the east wing, she sees Daniel sketching. Luce is sure he's sketching her. Narcissistic much. And it reminds her of a dream she had the night before, but suddenly the darkness pinches her, and she's sure Daniel sees it too. <gasps> Daniel is very short with Luce and obviously doesn't want company or conversation. So she leaves. Dramatically. And pines! <gasps> and pines! <laughs> The pining! Oh, the pining, the pining!
0: The next morning, Luce is running late. Again. This time for detention. Fortunately, Luce meets Penn in the cemetery who points her to the monolith where Arian, Molly, Roland, Daniel, and Cam are waiting for her with their teacher. Their task is to team up and clean the statues, so Luce and Arian choose the avenging angel. Luce spots Daniel working with Molly and asks Arian if they're friends. Arian sets Luce's lovey-dovey misconceptions to rest. Arian asks Luce what got her here, and Luce sort of explains, but just comes off looking like a pathetic pyromaniac. (laughs) It's not a good look. Pathetic pining. Pathetic pining pyromaniac. The
1: pining! <laughs> oh. Work continues half-heartedly apart from Daniel, who seems to be the only one trying to clean the angels. As she watches him, out of nowhere, Loose thinks, he's always been a hard worker. Molly warns Loose away from Daniel. He walks over and demands to know what has been said. He says it in a way that sounds like an argument that they've had before. Darkness seems to enclose them, and the head of the angel next to them crashes down on them, but Daniel pushes her out of the way.
0: He got there so fast. He was nowhere near me. The truck in the (laughs) icy parking lot. Wait, wait.
1: Wait, wait, wrong. Wrong. Wrong.
0: Wednesday evening, Luce is finally able to call Callie during her once-weekly 15-minute phone call, and it's such a relief. Callie wants to know everything. However, Luce holds back and starts to tell her about Cam, not Daniel, the one she's been thinking about pretty much constantly and pining over. Just then, Cam walks in. It's his phone slot next. Luce's call ends, and as she and Cam talk, Luce's darkness seems to creep in, and her thoughts drift to Daniel, who happens to walk in at that moment. And the wisps of darkness leave. Quickly, Cam invites Luce to a party later. But she hesitates to agree, until she sees Daniel give the tiniest nod.
1: Mm -hmm. Later, Luce and Penn hurry to the auditorium for an evening event, and Arian catches up. They explain that if you arrive late to the movie, then you're stuck in the hot seat next to Mr. Cole, and have to hand out his surveys and help analyse the results afterward, meaning you miss the main entertainment of the evening, the after party. Arian manages to manoeuvre Todd to the hot seat. As the movie starts, Luce gets a very bad feeling which is accurate as the darkness seeps in and starts pulling at her ankles. When the movie ends, they head to Cam's room for the after-party and it is crowded. Erin pops some champagne and gives a welcome speech that Luce completely misses and she can't (gasps) stop looking and pining for (sighs) Daniel! Oh, Daniel! Daniel. pining.
0: The party continues and it's time for karaoke. Daniel steps out, and Luce makes to follow, but it's terrible timing as the microphone is thrust at her. With a lame excuse to go and get Todd, Luce leaves. In the hallway, Luce can hear Daniel and Gabby talking. Gabby claims to be the only one he can trust, so Luce automatically hates her.
1: The next morning, an announcement wakes Luce up, commanding everyone to get up and get to the gymnasium for bodily assessment. That phrase is awful, by the way. It is. The gymnasium is situated in an old church, retrofitted for its new purpose. Luce and Penn are assigned the pool, as is, unfortunately, Gabby. Ugh. As she enters the pool area, Luce sees Roland, Arian and Molly in bathing suits, but able to sit out. Gabby walks up to them, which makes Luce hate her more. The coach forces Luce into a swimming competition, but her perpetual lateness seems to also affect her ability to start a race. Loose is an experienced swimmer and looks set to win when she catches Gabby say, Daniel, in her distinctive drawl, And she comes to a complete stop to hear what they're talking about. That is not obvious at all in a swimming pool, coming to a complete stop so you can get your wig. And to be fair, she hears absolutely nothing because of the water splashing is too loud. So of course she doesn't win either. Once out of the pool,
0: Luce sees that everyone but Roland is gone. Roland passes Luce her towel, and she blurts a question, asking if Daniel and Gabby are together, but Roland tells her to ask Daniel. Instead of getting ready, she follows Daniel to the weight room and watches him skipping rope. Shadows creep up and seem to push her out of the weight room, and the door slams. That's a first. Unfortunately, her locker key was knocked out of her hand and is still in the weight room, so she has to go back in and Daniel spots her. He makes a strange comment about how she's always been such a good swimmer and Luce asks Daniel if he too feels like they know each other. Daniel clearly dissuades her of this notion.
1: Luce runs into Cam on the way to class and he persuades her to come for a lunch picnic in the graveyard. They are spending time making stories up about the deaths of the residents before eating contraband food. It's obviously a pre-planned romantic picnic. Cam tells Luce that Cross is too dissimilar to his home life, so he's quite comfortable there. As Luce and Cam nearly kiss, Gabby comes running up, having been asked by Miss Sophia to find her most promising student, Luce. How? She never goes to
0: She's been in school for approximately 45 minutes. Exactly.
1: Luce, however, irrationally thinks Gabby isn't satisfied with just having Daniel and wants to move in on camp too. Oh! Guess it's back to school in Penn's inquisition over where she was. Saturday morning,
0: Penn comes to Luce's room and instantly starts snooping around. Penn then suggests to Luce that, rather than working on their genealogy assignment they've been given, that she should give Luce a tour of the off-limits school records room so Luce can continue her stalking. I mean, uh, research into Daniel. Together, they head to Penn's basement lair. They locate Daniel's record, which doesn't say much, only that his parents are unknown and he's under the guardianship of the L.A. County Orphanage. Then, a list of his criminal history, which is all very light stuff like jaywalking and loitering. They're interrupted by Miss Sophia dropping some boxes in the basement, but thankfully she doesn't spot them. Unfortunately, as Luce sneaks out, Molly stops her and warns her against Daniel.
1: Why? <laughs> Too much pining. Leaving the administration. <laughs> Too much pining, yes. bad for the house. Bad for the constitution. <laughs> it disrupts the humans. <laughs> Leaving the administration building and heading to the sports field, Luce takes a soccer ball to the face. <laughs> and we all cheer. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Daniel is next to her in a rare moment of actually being nice. He offers to take her for a walk to get some air. They head into the woods and come out facing a postcard-worthy view of a lake. Daniel suggests they swim out to the flat rock in the middle, and they do. While they're sitting there, Daniel tells Luce he's been burned by a relationship (laughs) and is therefore not interested in anyone right now. Luce again insists that there is some connection between them. Can't you feel it, Daniel? Can't you feel it? They're each other somehow. (gasps) Oh! And again, Daniel reminds her it is not possible, and says, "Leave him alone." With that, he dives back in the water and swims to shore, what seems abnormally fast. Emerging from the lake, Luce thinks that the light is playing tricks on her, as it looks like the water hovers around Daniel, as if he has wings. <gasps> <gasps>
0: The next week in Miss Sophia's religious class, centering on angels that spans over lunch, Cam offers Luce a handful of figs, since none of the food sent up by the kitchen is vegetarian-like Luce. But Gabby promptly throws the figs away and replaces them with peanut M&Ms. Arian says he probably drugged them. After class, Daniel apologizes for leaving Luce alone on the rock. When Daniel leaves, Cam comes up and gives her a gift he saw while out shopping. He went shopping? How? Cam offers to show her that night, but Gabby interrupts and reminds Cam he promised to help her set up for a party that night. Penn says they have plans that night anyway.
1: Once alone, Luce asks Pen what plans they have. Pen, went digging in the boxes Miss Sophia brought to the basement the other day and found notes grouping the students into their arrival dates and where they came from. Strange. Miss Sophia arrived at Sword and Cross the same day as Daniel, Arion, and Molly. Penn also found a potential ancestor of Daniel's who wrote a book called The Watchers, Myth and Medieval Europe, which Penn took the liberty of checking to see if it was in the library, and it is. Todd is the only other person in the library when they get there.
0: As they begin to look for the Gregory book, a grey tendril starts to close in on Pen, so Luce knocks it away, accidentally thwacking Pen. <laughs> it was a bee, I swear, it was a bee. This isn't the first time she's been able to touch a shadow. The Gregory book isn't where it should be, so Penn goes to ask Miss Sophia about it. As Luce is waiting for her to come back, the smoke alarm goes off. So, Luce gets up to leave and runs into Todd. As the smoke is coming in thick and fast, they start to make their escape. But where's Pen? As they leave, Luce sees a twisted nest of shadows in the ceiling, and Todd seems really affected. Though, she's not sure if it's by the smoke or the writhing shadows. Suddenly, they are both seemingly caught and flown out of the building into the cool, fresh evening air. Luce sees a wonderful light that reminds her, unfathomably, of Daniel, which distracts her from the Twisting Shadow's attack. And also, you know, the death of Todd, as he falls down the stairs, breaking his neck. (laughs) We don't care about that. The pining!
1: We don't care about Todd. He was a side character. He is We care dead. about the pining. The pining. The, pining, the, the pining. pining. Oh. 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 Pining. Daniel's voice wakes <coughs> loose and he leans forward and kisses her. <coughs> and she holds him in their embrace. Loose feels wings. When Loose actually wakes up, it's to a cold hospital room with Gabby next to her. Yay. Luce has been unconscious all night. As Luce asks about Todd, Arian comes in wearing a candy stripe of a uniform and roller skates and is carrying three coconut shell alcoholic cocktails, complete with little umbrellas. I don't think that's medicinal, but hey, what do I know? I'm not a doctor.
0: Don't ask
1: questions. Gabby informs Luce that Todd passed away from smoke inhalation, and Pen and Miss Sophia were able to get out of the library straight away. If Luce is worried she'll be asked about the night and not able to fill in the gaps which is exactly what happened with Trevor
0: damn it pen comes in then and is shocked by the crowd and explains what happened to her and that Daniel found Luce and carried her to the administrator this reminds Luce of her dream of Daniel carrying her as he flew Eventually, everyone is kicked out to let Luce rest, but then Miss Sophia, the police, and her parents come in. The police ask Luce standard questions about what happened, though their tone implies she is guilty of setting the fire. Pining, pathetic, pyromaniac. When she's finally left alone, Luce looks at a bouquet of peonies Daniel sent her and thinks about the accompanying message. Sorry. But what's he sorry for?
1: Existing. <laughs> her existing? <laughs> Two days later is Todd's funeral. Cam pulls Luce away once the burial is concluded and offers to take her away to talk. Cam is perfect and his intentions are so clear. But Luce is starting to get annoyed by him because he is not Daniel. done! Daniel! Oh! Thankfully, Gabby interrupts them, giving Luce the opportunity to move on to the punch bowl, where Daniel approaches her and asks if she wants to get out of there. (gasps) Yes! Yes! Yes, I
0: do! Yes! As soon as they are away from the group, Daniel challenges Luce being with Cam and says he's not good for her. But then he also can't suggest an alternative. They continue on to the lake. Once at their destination, Daniel tells Luce she should transfer to another school because Sword and Cross isn't the right place for her. But Luce misunderstands his meaning, thinking he's referring to Trevor and the similarities to Todd's fiery death. To shock Daniel, Luce tells him about the shadows she sees. Daniel tells her that that hasn't happened before, which confuses Luce. Luce, once again, Misunderstands Daniel, thinking he's going to kiss her. But instead he walks away.
1: I pine! On Saturday, it's Parents' Day at Sword and Cross. Luce's parents visit and bring a card from Callie. Luce takes them to meet Pen, who will be joining them for lunch. Luce struggles to enjoy the day, thinking it feels like a sham. On the way to one of the planned events, Mr. Calls to her of the graveyard, Erin pops up and introduces her sister, Annabelle, calls the events lame and wanders off. Near the end of the tour, they run into Cam with his dad, who charms her mom with the age-old older sister line. Once Luce's parents leave, she and Penn go to visit Penn's dad.
0: A few days later, on the way for a swim, Luce literally runs into Cam and they flirt over books. However, Luce isn't really into it. Her feelings for Daniel are growing stronger, and she dreams they are embracing, surrounded by wings. It feels so real. Luce dives into the pool to swim and only stops when Penn interrupts her. She found a lead about Daniel and the watchers from the lost book in the library.
1: Ooh. In the library, Penn heads to the computer, but unfortunately, it's after 4pm, so access is restricted. Luckily, they're able to flag down Miss Sophia, who happily grants access and directs them to Paypal databases. The two girls frantically start scribbling notes. While Penn has copious notes, Luce has doodled Angel Jones. We are to bring it to the research there, Luce. <sighs> As they make to leave, Luce notices Daniel looking at something behind her. What could it be? It's Cam. Cam gives Luce another present in a box he asks her not to look at yet before making her promise they'll meet later. Just before he walks away, he kisses Luce and then Daniel punches him. They start going at it before taking the fight outside to the commons and into the convenient dramatic room. Pen is loving the spectacle. Unfortunately, Mr. Cole breaks them all. Finally looking in the box, Cam slipped her. Inside is a note telling her to meet him at the gates after classes and a green guitar pick.
0: So douchey. He's such a bad boy. Uh, it's the guitar picks. Despite Luce not wanting to see Cam... She still goes. Her intention is to tell them she doesn't want anything romantic to do with him. <laughs> when she gets to the gates, she finds a note waiting for her. Cam has arranged a car to pick her up. The car pulls up and the driver hands her a card. It's a note saying the camera watching the drive has been taken care of. Luce gets into the car and she's driven to a beat-up Riverside bar where Cam is waiting for her. Luce tries to give Cam the necklace back, but he takes it and puts it on her instead and pulls her into the bar. Cam apologizes for coming on strong and about the fight last night. As Cam calls for a toast, Luce sees a dark shadow as a seedy patron starts in on Cam, but Cam easily throws them off. Abnormally easily. Luce leaves and runs into Daniel, who grabs her and says he'll take her back to school. As she gets into Daniel's car, Luce can smell sulfur and sees Cam in the doorway, looking strange. Daniel doesn't take her back to Sword and Cross. Instead, they go to the beach. Luce confesses that she doesn't want anything to do with Cam and one thing leads to another and she and Daniel kiss. It feels so familiar and so right. When they pull apart, Daniel acts as if he's expecting something terrible to happen, but nothing does. Cryptically, he tells her he doesn't know how to make it stop and that Likely, they're just running late. Who?
1: What? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Luce can't remember their journey back to the school because she'd fallen asleep and Daniel had to carry her. She slept in until 2pm, missing school and waking to find two notes slipped under her door, one from Daniel and the other from Cam. Cam is waiting for her at the graveyard and Luz tries to give him that let's be friends speech but he interrupts, mocking her for her unreciprocated feelings for Daniel and how he would, could never kiss her how she deserves. Well he can and he does! Cam starts laughing and saying it's impossible so Luce walks off. Cam sweeps sweeps her up, bends her backwards, and says it's only fair that he gets to kiss her, too. Luce can only think about the kiss, but is sure she's forgetting something. Suddenly, she's on the ground with Gabby and Daniel confronting Cam. Gabby kicks the (laughs) snow out of Cam. We all cheer. Yay. Yay!
0: Daniel is not happy that Luce kissed Cam. But at least he and Gabby got there in time. He takes Luce off while Gabby is standing over a groaning cam. Daniel tells Luce he will give her the whole truth. He starts by describing the Bible. Oh. And how in it, God demands the love of everyone. But Daniel loved Someone else more. Her. Over and over and over again. But every time they fall in love, every time they kiss, she dies catastrophically while he continues to live forever. (laughs) After she dies, he has to wait 17 years for her to be reincarnated to see her again. Each time, he can sense her coming, which is a sad existence. Liz doesn't believe any of it. When she first saw him, he was laughing and looked happy. How is that possible? Daniel tells her different things from their many incarnations. Luce needs a break to think.
1: Luce goes back to her room to be alone. She even ignores Penn's knock. So much of what Daniel said seems familiar. Sitting on her bed, Luce finds a book hidden under the covers and watches myth in medieval Europe. With a note from Penn. Inside the cover is a photograph clearly showing Daniel and Luce in Helston, 1854. <gasps> Luce needs Pen To the library! There's
0: no sign of Penn, just Arian and Roland playing chess. Arian has kicked Roland's butt, so it's time for a new game to find out where Luce went the other day. To an off campus shrink? Asking them cryptic questions about trusting Daniel, Luce heads further into the library and runs into Miss Sophia, who sees the book in her arms and takes her to one side, clearly not surprised she has it. Luce spills everything, including kissing Daniel, which Miss Sophia tells her is impossible. As they flip through the book, Luce spots sketches of her by Daniel. Miss Sophia tells her that both Luce
1: and Daniel are damned. <gasps> Luce tells Miss Sophia that Daniel tried to explain things, but once he mentioned the Bible she chewed out. No. <laughs> Miss Sophia points out that it is perfectly natural for children her age not to be interested in religion they brought brought up in luce however wasn't brought up religious and hasn't been (gasps) baptized it's clear miss sophia knows more than she is telling so luce decides she needs to speak to daniel and miss sophia tells her she'll come with her outside luce can feel the shadows growing and waiting they head to the graveyard and see pen looking terrified next the entrance pen says a few students went in and is sure something bad is going to happen Because she can see something flickering in the darkness.
0: There is a feeling of evil as Luce heads into the graveyard, Miss Sophia and Penn following despite her protestations. Luce finds Daniel deep in the darkness, and she tells him she believes his story. But how can he, an angel, love her? Luce is convinced the shadows and darkness are all her fault, but Daniel explains they aren't. They've always been there, though this is the first time she's been able to see them. The shadows are announcers, nothing more than gossips and messengers, and at that moment they're just showing off. Pen and Miss Sophia approach them with Daniel's book. Miss Sophia tells Luce she doesn't want to know how they can be together that Daniel has no right to tell her, as it will kill her again. (gasps) As Luce declares her love to Daniel, from above, Cam sarcastically claps. More claps grow around them, but it's not applause. It's the sound of flying insects swarming around Cam.
1: Daniel demands to know how Cam has called an end to their truce. And Cam points to Luce. Suddenly, Miss Sophia's eyes roll back and she starts speaking in tongues. So Arian and Gabby float down and offer to translate. Gabby agrees with Cam that there is something different with Luce. That the fight could end. Wait, what fight? Erin tells Luce the fight is to stop all hell breaking loose on Earth. Daniel tells Luce to get out as small firefly-like sparks float, blooming into little pure creatures. At Gabby and Daniel's insistence, Luce, Pen and Miss Sophia leave the graveyard. Before they can get out, Pen falls, and when Luce looks back, she finds Pen has a deep black and bloody gash down her arm. Miss Sophia picks Pen up and urges them on. Turning back, Luce sees that a huge fire rages in the graveyard, with strands of light and blackness twisting together. Miss Sophia pulls Luce along and into the gymnasium church and the one place in the building not desecrated with athletic equipment. The desecration?
0: (laughs) Pen is getting worse, and her wound looks awful. As Luce is comforting Pen Miss Sophia starts closing and bolting the doors and windows before she comes over, draws a knife, and slashes Penn's throat, saying it's messy but necessary. <laughs> Miss Sophia continues to talk in tongues, chanting and lighting candles in the room that looks like a little chapel. Miss Sophia grabs Luce and, politely, holding the knife at Luce's throat, asks her to climb up on the altar before tying her down. Clearly, this is all pre-planned.
1: <laughs> Miss Sophia wants Luce out of the way to free Daniel. Miss Sophia is not impressed with whomever put the fate of humanity into the hands of lovesick infants. Miss Sophia is willing to kill her. She's encountered a boring self before, but this time is different, and she's given her a loophole. In every other incarnation, Luce has been baptised, but in this one, she hasn't, and therefore her soul is up for grabs, and she won't come back. <laughs> Miss Sophia has her dagger poised over Luce's heart, As the stained glass window shatters and bright lights fill the room, Daniel has flown in to free Daniel.
0: Miss Sophia makes her escape, and Daniel orders a helper to go after her, while Arian and Gabby emerge from the remaining bright light. Luce asks if Miss Sophia is a fallen angel or a devil, and Gabby explains that she was one of the 24 elders. But what she has done is grounds for exile. Almost everyone at Sword and Cross is a fallen angel, but they've just taken sides. Cam, Molly, and Roland are on one side while they are on another. Pen, unfortunately, was just a regular old mortal. Luce wants to know everything, but they claim they can't tell her everything because it would kill her. And that she needs to be drip-fed or work it out on her own for her own safety. In the meantime, Arian fetches help from a human they can trust.
1: At daybreak, Luce and Daniel emerge from the chapel. Pen's body has been laid on the altar for now. The angels have hidden their wings as so many humans will be around today. The blue and red lights of police cars are flashing in the distance. Luce and Daniel make their way into the graveyard and it's filled with dust from the battle. Luce clears Pen's dad's grave as they go, knowing her friend will be buried next to him soon. They leave the graveyard and head into the woods before Daniel picks Luce up and flies them to their lake. Daniel explains Mr. Cole will be waiting for them with a plane and will help Luce get away to safety. Before they part Daniel gives Luce a locket containing their pictures and says he'll tell her more about it and about them when they're together. It will be a little while, though, because Daniel has to find Cam and take care of a few things, but he promised he will come for her. Mr. Call and Luce fly off on Mr. Call's tiny plane.
0: A little while later, from above in the loft, Daniel watches Luce sleep, and then Cam comes in. They decide they won't fight and will maintain a truce for 18 days, but they may need each other before that time is up. Cam tells Daniel he hasn't won loose, even though she may think so. She just doesn't understand everything yet. The end of the pining!
1: (sighs) The pining! Well, I think we need to have some dramatic pining while everybody can listen to the promo from another podcast. The pining. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, criticizer of books.
0: And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect.
1: So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe.
0: Oh, pining. Are you done pining? Are you done pining for now?
1: Oh, I'm way over it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm done. <sighs>
0: So what have you to say about this book? Not
1: a lot of positives. It's fine. Nothing freaking happens in this That book. is not true. It's true. That is not
0: true. A lot of things happen in like the last twenty pages. Also the pining.
1: The, the pining, pining, the pining! Do you know what, though? We've made it into quite satirical pining, but in the book, it's more whinging and complaining yeah. and desperation yeah. and pathetic and creepy yeah. and stalkery. Yeah,
0: yeah. We made it better. We made it better, everyone. We really, really like, did.
1: Genuinely, there is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Zero zip. Of anything, I like about Loose, I detest I mean, that character.
0: I liked
1: how she appears on the cover of the book. Oh, don't even get me started on that! <laughs> it's what an, an another example of a disappointing cover to the contents of the book. That cover is fab; I love it. It's fuck all to do with what is in the book, and it pisses me right off the loose is so pathetic absolutely pathetic as soon as she sees daniel everything becomes daniel she's all encompassed about daniel and we think bella becomes obsessed with edward no no that is nothing compared to this creepy, stalkerish thing that she's got going on with Daniel. She's like, oh, like I I I'm not going to do my schoolwork. I'm not gonna bother turning into class, to which there is never any repercussions, which pisses me off again. She goes and finds out his genealogy. She starts looking into him and his history. That's invasive.
0: Yeah, it's creepy. That's creepy as fuck. Especially in that class where Miss Sophia has given them access to like ancestry science where they can start planting their family tree and she does not look at herself at all and only looks for Daniel. That is creepy. That is creepy it's and you're in right. a classroom filled with other people who can see what you're doing. If you're gonna stalk someone, <laughs> do it in private. D- exactly. stalk- in private. But also don't stalk but also don't stalk anyone. Because no.
1: yikes. No, don't stalk anyone. That's bad. It's that very, bad. very, it's bad. very don't bad stalk anyone don't do it. But yeah, she's just she's just a pathetic character who seems to define herself sorely on a meal and that's it. Yeah. And if she can't it's the way she instantly hates Gabby because Gabby talks to Daniel. Yeah. It's it's look sad. If I if I
0: were Gabby, I would have just stepped out and like, you know what? In this iteration, Luce is a bitch. So I'm not even gonna help her. just walk away yeah because obviously they've all been around to see all of this happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again
1: and they must be bored of it by now god I know honestly like if she I can't imagine personalities wise there's a much difference between you know the 1854 example given in England to the this modern um interpretation so I can only imagine that in every single incarnation, Luce is an irritating creepy creep. Yeah. I can't imagine that being anything else. It's I just I just as a character hate though other characters I liked. Oh. I yeah? loved Arian. Despite that, every time I say her name, I think something with negative connotations. Right. Hate the name. Yeah. Love the character. Yeah gave me the harlequin vibes yes. that I, uh, I thought you know you need the harlequin kind of character within yes. a reform school yes there was not enough of her she was in at the beginning quite heavily mm-hmm. and then she just seemed to fade into the background for no reason at all yeah pen i mean i'm jumping ahead a little bit hate the favorite character but i need to give some positives yeah pen loved pen Penn yes. was wonderful yeah and then the and killed her. But yeah. do you know what really annoyed me about her death? She's the only mortal there, so it's as if she's expendable. Yeah. But also Penn was the only one who had any kind of like she's she was the only one who's natural. Yeah. And I can imagine like her being and I mean this in a non offensive way because everybody knows I am a, a curvy girl, um, she would be the fat friend or the ugly friend with the good personality. Yeah. She would be the the or the minority character and they killed her off. Yeah. And it's like there was no need for that. It was completely unnecessary. Penn could have just stayed at the reform school. There was no no need to kill her character off. Yeah. Um and it didn't give any sympathy for Luce or the situation or anything. It didn't add any anything to the story. No. I even loved Miss Sophia, the evil librarian.
0: I know. Miss Sophia was my favourite character. Because it's not very often that the librarian who's, like, been helping you the entire time turns out to be evil. It never happens. I love the evil librarian. So,
1: so Miss Sophia was my favorite. Yeah. But she could... Librarians could use their power for good or for evil. Most of the time, they choose to use it for good. Be careful when they choose to use it for evil. But...
0: I agree with what you're saying about Penn. And I loved Penn too. And I hated that she was killed because she was the mortal. And, you know, Miss Sophia could have easily just, like, pushed her down and locked the door behind her.
1: uh, Yeah, just left her out of the chapel completely. Yeah. I even like Gabby. (laughs) Probably because every time in my head... With her southern twang, I had your voice going when you do your southern <laughs> twang. So that was quite fun. We were thinking about you know, when we do our House of Night books <laughs> and Stevie. But yeah, I like Gabby as a character. Roland was minor. He was fine. Poor Todd. R.I.P. Todd. Yeah. Just as for Todd. Todd
0: was Todd also you know, just a regular human guy?
1: Yeah. yeah. Again, killer mortals. Yeah. So I did quite like a few of the characters, don't get me wrong, but I freaking hated Loose, and Daniel was a non-entity in my books. There was nothing in there that made you think, oh, Daniel, I did not pine for him once. No. I mean, fair enough, given the age difference. Well, to be honest, actually, he's probably the older man, considering he's an angel. But
0: and he lives forever,
1: yeah. Yeah, there was, nothing, there was nothing about it. No. When somebody instantly flips you off and dismisses you and constantly tells you to stop stalking them, stop talking to them, stop bugging them, stop thinking about them, stop researching my goddamn family history, Uh,
0: take a hint. You know what I think would have made this book better is if, one, there was more to the pining? Yes. Like, could we have had... I mean, we see in the book at the end... And we learn at the end that she's been around for several incarnations, and they, like, have lived all over the world together. Could we have not had, like, the 18-whatever Halston at the beginning? Could we not have had those passages, like, at the beginning of the chapter? Like, you know... 1952 Rio, like, and here's the story of what happened in Rio. And it's just a paragraph of the two of them together. Could we not have had that? Because that would have made the pining make more sense. However, we only have that flashback at the very beginning. And we're supposed to just assume that they love each other so much from that one bit and he wasn't even really nice to her in that.
1: No, we needed more context behind it. And I agree. I think that's a very good idea that at the beginning of each chapter or even interspersed as part of the dreams, because she's dreaming about him holding her and dreaming about the wings all the time. Yeah, well, but expand. It would have been better if the dreams were f- flashbacks as well, remember? Yeah,
0: yeah. Expand that scene where you're kissing and you see his wings to a little bit before. What leads up to that kiss?
1: Just a little bit. It's just. Just a little bit more would have helped. I mean, I don't mind insta love in adult romances. Because usually it's insta sex, really, rather than insta love. Right. But in this book, the insta love made no sense. No. It's just. It was. It was flawed. Very flawed. Yeah. And, do you know it was I, I, I checked it was at the 86% mark on the audiobook book when she was like oh, you're an angel yeah in the uh, uber twilight vibes yeah say it you're an angel yeah and it's like uh, do you know maybe harshly saying this. But the book is very insulting to readers. Yeah. Because we know from the outset, you can tell from the outset that they're an incarnation. Right. And we know that's why she's pining for it. Right. It's an incarnation. Yeah. We know he's the angel. Yes. It's the premise of the book. It's not a spoiler to know this. Right. But it's an insult as a reader, to have to put up with her creepy ways until 86% of the way through the book yeah. for her to finally figure out that he's an angel. And even then, there's not that many drops take place. Like, she sees the water over his back and it gives him angel-like wings. He's abnormally fast. So's a freaking vampire. um.
0: He he radiates A
1: like black light type glow too. Yeah. Yeah. There's just nothing in it. There's nothing they keep it's like Miss Sophia's religious classes. They talk about like the librarian giving the religious classes all the time. And that seems to be the only class they ever seem the to go to, apart from Mr. Cole's boring history class. Yeah. But there's nothing within those moments that would automatically help loose who we know is dumb as a sack of rocks work out that daniel is an angel yeah and there's nothing in his behavior that is quote-unquote angelic no it's it just feels like it's an insult to or to, 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 to me at least like yeah i might be judging it very harshly and i need to step back and remember when it was written right and the audience it's predominantly written for yes but i am also annoyed that it's mocking the intelligence of teenagers teenagers are smart they would figure this out and i think yeah there's just too many holes. What, the other thing that annoyed me as well is, like like I said, Arian was a really strong character in the beginning, and then she just faded out to black. Very little's made of Roland, but then all of a sudden Roland, like y- y- the impression is Roland and Daniel are very good friends, but then it turns out Roland's on Camp side of the Angel War. Yeah. There's no context for this Angel War. I don't want to have to read further to find out more about this Angel War that's taking supposedly taking place yeah Trevor's death uh, completely pointless got him into a reform school I don't I don't even I don't know I just feels it feels ridiculous like
0: yeah it would have been better if there were (sighs) if there was more lead up like I said if there were more bits of history throughout would have been so much better but i did really enjoy miss sophia's lessons the one that we got to see almost completely she's telling the story of the fallen angels which if luce had been paying attention she probably would have picked up on it however i love that she was telling she was giving the lesson with shadow puppets that's amazing (laughs) That was so cool. I would have loved to see that lesson. And I also appreciated that being agnostic saved Luce's life because everyone is just expecting her to be a Christian and like, oh, and now the angels are, you know, going to show up and then she's going to erupt in flames and she's going to die and whatever, whatever happens. But it doesn't happen in this one because she wasn't brought up in a religious household. And I love that. But
1: I I
0: wish that it had changed everything. Not just that she can see the shadows coming and interact with them a little bit. Like, why couldn't she, in this iteration, have completely fallen for Cam? He's obviously on the bad side of the angels, But, like, why couldn't she have fallen for Cam? And then we see Daniel trying to fight for her so we would like him a little bit more or something. Because Cam is the only one interacting with her. And it's a little creepy that he's, like, showering her with gifts and stuff. But I think that also would have been a better story. Yes, I agree.
1: That's, that's the whole thing. There's nothing being made. Like you said, if they'd include more of the history of Luce and Daniel, would have be more sympathetic to their relationship? Yeah, and
0: then if you see all these flashbacks with their relationship and how wonderful and beautiful it is, but then you come back to the present day and she's making out with Cam, and then you would go, oh, no, you're not supposed to be with Cam. You're supposed to be with Daniel. Oh. It would have made for a better story.
1: Exactly, and that would have had the reader engaged. Yeah. And I don't think the reader is engaged in this story because it's not, they're not given enough. Yeah.
0: But I will tell everyone that there are three more books in this series, and I have read the entire thing, and I do know that the story wraps up, and I feel like I liked the last one, but honestly I can't remember, and that's going to... I'm going to jump ahead to surprises, which we should probably be there by now because I feel like we've both talked about everything that we need to talk about. I am surprised at how I remember this book being so much better. Yeah. But maybe it's because I'm thinking of the entire series as a whole.
1: Quite probably. Quite possibly. Yeah. I don't know if I am... I'm not bothered enough about Luce to find out her history, her story. Yeah. But I do want to know more about Arian and Gabby and Cam. I'm bothered by those characters. Yeah. I'd be more engaged if Penn was still alive. Yes. This this that's that's the other thing that got me killing off Penn is like killing off the reader. Pen was us in the storyline. Yeah. She was our link. Not Luce, who obviously has something other about her, you know, with being able to see the shadows and being the incarnation and yeah. in love with the the angel. Luce is not us. Pen was us and she was killed and that kind of cut my interest a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. My surprise was just how freaking dumb and annoying Loose was. I just could not get with her as a character. See all my previous comments. Yeah. How much can one person freaking pine? So much it pining. So much. I pine for you, pine. Daniel. Daniel, I'm I pine, Daniel. Pining. Oh. Yeah. Was, I've never seen so many different degrees of pining. It was yeah. dramatic yeah it was whingy it was pathetic it was it was constant freaking constant
0: pining pathetic pyromaniac
1: yeah let's play would you rather (laughs) we asked on social media would you rather eat jalapeno grits or pickled okra on facebook 65% picked the okra. On Instagram, 75% picked the okra. On Twitter, 100% picked the okra. And on TikTok, you're having grits, baby. I feel like we need to just clarify why
0: we picked this question, because based on our summary and our discussion, it doesn't match up at all.
1: Yes. These are... And it was like literally one scene where she eats it with her parents. Yes,
0: because she can't eat any of her favorite things anymore because she's in reform school. And that should probably give you a pretty good clue about how we felt about the story. That this is the question that we went with.
1: Plus it doesn't have any spoilers.
0: Right. Yes. And there's no long-winded explanations.
1: Yes, that's, that's the, that, that is a prerequisite for would-you-rathers. You don't have to have context. Yes,
0: yes. Okay, so we had some comments. Me too.
1: Yeah. Colin on Facebook said, I'll go for pickled okra purely because I'm still not sure what grits are. I know I have access to the world's repository of knowledge at my fingertips and could e- find out easily, but that feels like too much effort. Also, grits. 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 It, it just doesn't feel good on the tongue. The word is, that is, not sure about food as I've ever had them. Great Nah, I'm out okra it is.
0: Bree on
1: Facebook says,
0: Ew, I'm not a fan of either of these southern foods or styles of cooking them. As much as I hate pickled things, I'm even less a fan of spicy things. Bring on the okra.
1: Annie on Facebook said, I love me some cheesy grits, so I'm willing to try jalapeno grits. Then added, clearly all y'all haven't had good grits. Stone ground, not cut instant with massive amounts of cheese and butter damn i'm gonna have to make some now then she added a link to her favorite (laughs) grit recipe for everybody to enjoy and then told us all now y'all done it cheesy grits on one of the menu this weekend i'll throw a jalapeno (laughs) in Now we need to know that she's had jalapeno cheesy grits and i also need a picture yes (laughs) send us a picture it didn't happen
0: vincent on facebook says i'll have lasagna
1: And Coral on Facebook said, don't like jalapenos, so easy, okra it is. (laughs) Do you have any library comments this week?
0: Yes. Uh, As I am in the South, we actually had a little bit of discussion with this one and lots of comments. So one person said, jalapeno grits, y'all. Only fried okra is edible. One said, both. I'll eat anything, especially if it's pickled. Another person said, okra dipped in ranch. Yum. Another one said pickled okra. Yum! I grew up eating it. And the last one said jalapeno grits sound tasty. (laughs) So what are you picking? I am
1: picking pickled okra. Oh, me too. Because I do (sighs) like pickled food. (sighs) I have had okra before in a stir fry or something like that or stew. Um, And I don't mind them. I have absolutely no idea what a grit is. And the pictures do not make it look appetizing. I do have a friend who had grits once and tried to describe it. This is years ago, tried to describe what it was when he came back from America. And he's like, I, I can't describe it. It's it is there is nothing on the <laughs> the British palate that compares. I I don't understand grits. I don't. It sounds awful. Grits. Grit grit it's, I can't help but agree with Colin. It sounds like you're eating grit. And that's not healthy. No. But pickled okra, that sounds delicious.
0: Yeah, it is. It is delicious. I love pickled okra. I love raw okra. I love fried okra. I love okra stewed with tomatoes. Like I I, I like all of it. I like any of it. Grits I've had and It's, you know, whatever. You can have them sweet, you can have them savoury, you can have them spicy.
1: It's just... Is grits the the marmite of the US, do you think? Either love it or hate it. Probably. Yeah, probably. But it's definitely not the same thing. No, no,
0: definitely not the same thing. I feel like it's just, like... I don't know, the... Corn version of oatmeal,
1: I think. It's like cold soup but thick. Yeah, it's. Is it is it like corn hummus? Uh,
0: no, it's not smooth. Like... Mm. It's gritty. Oh. Yeah, but you know how like. Like oatmeal is just. Kind of nothing. It's, it's yeah. how grit that's grits too. It's the corn version of oatmeal.
1: Mm-hmm. Gruel. I like oatmeal, or porridge in this country. Yeah. With um, a spoonful of crunchy biscoff spread and sliced banana. And I would never, ever, ever, ever consider putting anything savoury into it, like cheese. Because oats. Okay. No. Oh, Grits is one of these things where I've seen on the menu when I've been in America, but refuse to buy because I don't want to waste my money on something and potentially going to absolutely freeze out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll have some pickled okra, oh, please. Yes, and please. I'm also convinced that ranch dressing tastes different in the US compared to the UK. Oh, I have sure ranch it does. dressing over here. I quite like it. It's nice, but I would prefer honey mustard or Caesar. But. I'm convinced that ranch dressing's got like opioids in it in the US. Oh, which it probably is why does. Everybody loves it so It much. probably does.
0: <laughs> Next question Would you rather picnic in a graveyard or snoop through secret school files? Picnic in a graveyard.
1: Graveyard's a wonderful place. Would you eat grits
0: while you're picnicking in a graveyard?
1: I mean, if you're going to bring them, I'll eat them. Okay. I'll try them for science and write it down. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, graveyards are fantastic places. I love graveyards. I love looking at the gravestones and seeing how old people were and when the graves were. Yeah, I really liked that
0: scene where Luce and Cam are walking through and Cam is just making up stories about everyone. Like, that was a fun event.
1: Yes, that's exactly the type of thing that I would do. Yeah, yeah. So definitely do that. But what I, uh, what good is snoop, snooping through the school files going to do for me if I'm in, even if we're comparing me to being loose? Mm-hmm. She's not going to use the, the power for good. No,
0: but she did get to go with Pen, and that was fun because you know I'm sure Pen was very proud of what she was doing and like she hey, be. I've got all these sneaky things that I can do. So, let's go do this together. I kind of think I might go
1: snooping with Pen. Well, I'm going to have a picnic, picnic in the graveyard with Pen. Oh, okay. Not with Cam. No. That's fine. Mm. He's too up his own ass. Yeah. He's too alpha oh, male. Mm.
0: He's going to give God. you a guitar pick.
1: Ugh. I would shove that guitar pick right up his nose. <laughs> Sorry if I've been coming on really strong. Oh, it's okay. Here, put this necklace on that I got you. No, 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 you put it on. Let's go to the bar because we're
0: both teenagers. Let me beat up an old man.
1: Hey, old man, come over here. I need to to be an alpha male of (sighs) someone. He's a prophet. (laughs) Idiot, next question. Would you rather. Go to a symposium on taxidermy <laughs> or watch a terrible movie for the millionth time. Oh, and it is a genuinely terrible movie, not one that you love to hate or hate to love. It is, like, needles to the eyes terrible. Oh, no.
0: Taxidermy and needles to the eyes? What is happening right now? This is next week's discussion. Oh, ahead. oh, oh whoops. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go ahead and finish that discussion right now. Uh, no, I... No, I'm going to watch a terrible movie for the millionth time. I can zone out, I can crack jokes, I can make it better in some way, shape, or form, but you're never going to make anything better looking at animal carcasses.
1: Could the, could the symposium on taxidermy be like funny taxidermy, you know, where you make the mice look like the the, the gentleman or something? Maybe. I can't imagine it being great. I don't like taxidermy particularly. No. Uh, I'm going to watch a terrible movie for a million times. Yeah,
0: let's watch it together. I can think of...
1: And We'll record it and it will be special episodes. Yes, oh no. Oh, no, we tried that. Speaking of, if it's Christmas <laughs> and you're listening to this, go and listen to our <laughs> commentary. <laughs> oh. Oh, what was it called? I can't even remember. I've blocked it out. Chris- Christmas. No. I've blocked it out. I don't even of not, not,
0: not remember that particular memory. Yeah, no. Would you rather swim in your clothes, including your shoes, or swim in a very used second-hand swimsuit?
1: Oh, I'm swimming in my clothes including my shoes. You do not know whose gussets have been near that. I never <sighs> have been near that gusset. You, this is how you get yeast infections.
0: I feel like, though, if I was swimming in my clothes, including my shoes, that I would drown. I feel like I would drown. I would just immediately, like Bella, plummeting from the cliff, sink down to the bottom, like, turn over, take a big deep breath in, and just drown.
1: It's a water safety thing. you would be fine. Just
0: tread. Nope. Nope, I'm immediately going to drown if I'm wearing shoes. So I'm gonna wear the secondhand swimsuit. At least she said it smelled clean.
1: How would you know? I'm just—I don't know. A couple of sprays of Febreze does not make a clean swimsuit. I don't know. That's
0: what I'm gonna do though, because I like have a fear of being underwater in shoes. Yeah. I'm gonna wear a—I'm gonna wear a gross bathing suit.
1: But she's not particularly heavy, anyways. He
0: I don't care. I can't do it. No.
1: Would you rather find out you've been reincarnated, or that your boyfriend, that you've been pining for, is pining. a fallen angel?
0: If I'm gonna find out my histories then I would rather find out that I've been reincarnated. Because how cool would that be? You can just go and look yeah. at all of your past adventures and, you know, maybe have some dreams about them or have some memories or something. I think that would be really cool if I could find out about them. If not, I mean, hey, Angel,
1: awesome. It's going to come with baggage, though. She's a fallen angel. There's baggage there. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm going to, if I can find out about myself i'm gonna find out that i've been reincarnated
1: yeah so also what kind of angel is it like the actual biblical like proper uh seraphim style angel it never or is, is clear why teen
0: it never is
1: six pack the
0: proper creepy angel with eyes all over made of nightmares it's never that
1: angel we're never that lucky. I mean, if 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 it was a choice between being reincarnated, reincarnated or a seraphim style proper proper angel, which would you pick? Creepy. The creepy
0: version, of course. I would. Cool. I would pick the creepy angel. Because I would always pick the creepiest thing.
1: Poke her eyes out. Start
0: and they've got plenty more. Exactly, it's fine.
1: Which time are we gonna go for? Ooh, oh, which ooh, one? Ooh, which ooh, one? Ooh, ooh. Well, I gotta go.
0: <laughs> oh, that reminds me of you only do that trick once. <laughs> uh, yeah, that reminds me of that time that I dressed up when we were reading Percy Jackson. Yeah, and I had an eyeball on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was really fun.
1: I enjoyed. <laughs> Okay.
0: Favourite final thought quote? Uh,
1: I felt this one. I didn't put myself through graduate school only to receive your (laughs) divided attention.
0: That's a good one.
1: Just stay on my good side and no one gets hurt. I should like to have a word with whoever thought putting the fate of all of our eternal souls in the hands of one lovesick pair of infants was so brilliant tonight. idea. And we applaud. Yes, we do. I'm going to give you this one as well because it made me laugh and then pine for um, Waffle House that I've never had. Ah, right. Tuesday. Waffle Day. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, <laughs> And that's one of Because I feel particularly seen in it. Since we do you exercise willingly, I don't like this new side of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: Uh. What have you got? Checkmate, bitch!
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. You're the human equivalent of a migraine, which is oh terrible. God. Oh migraines are the worst. Oh, it's such a burn. So, perfect. so I good. Love the burn. So good. So don't keep talking to me like I'm stupid. And don't tell me I don't understand. Just because I can't decode your erratic, flaky, hot one minute, cold the next. Frankly, she looked up at him, letting out her breath really hurtful behavior (laughs) she was leading up to something really really good and then she just went hurtful
1: oh I'm a creepy stalker though (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: and then finally oh my god they were fighting in the library over her (gasps)
1: oh my
0: god oh my god they're fighting in the library over her (laughs) (laughs) then there was also another one that is how I'm gonna sign all of my letters from now on yours psychotically A (laughs) signing all my letters that way from now on
1: As you should.
0: Yep. (laughs) Okay, if you liked this, try this.
1: Or if you didn't
0: like this, try this, maybe?
1: There might be a different list. Um. Anywho, I'm going to suggest another one that was probably on the same pile as four. It was. I read them Um, both at
0: the same time and I got them confused. Yeah.
1: While I was reading them. Again, Fallen on the Weir side. Another one that was, I had, I have, I'm not sure. I can't find anything on my shelves these days. And it's Hush, Hush by Becca Fitzpatrick. So it's of its ilk. A sacred oath, a fallen angel of forbidden love. Romance was not part of Nora Gray's plan. She's never been particularly attracted to the boys at her school, no matter how hard her best friend V pushes them at her. Not until Patch comes along. <laughs> it's a, worse With a name. smile and eyes that seem to see inside her. Patch draws Nora to him against her better judgment. But after a series of terrifying encounters, Nora's not sure who to trust. Patch seems to be everywhere she is, and seems to know more about her than her closest friends. She can't decide whether she should fall into his arms, or run and hide. And when she tries to seek some answers, she finds herself near her truth, is way more unsettling than anything Patch makes her feel. For she is right in the middle of an ancient battle between the immortal and those that have fallen, and when it comes to choosing sides, the wrong choice will cost Nora her life. It sounds dramatic.
0: Yeah. I feel like I remember Hush Hush being better. Yeah. But the love interest's name is Patch.
1: I remember the cover being shiny.
0: Yeah, the cover of that one's really cool. There's a fallen angel and, like, his back is broken and he's surrounded by feathers. So this one also has a really cool cover.
1: Yes. Yeah. But we can only. Sorry, I can only take so many angels in one month. Yeah, <laughs> I need memes some demonic forces. We do. <laughs> we
0: clearly love demons more than we love angels.
1: Oh, oh, hell yeah! Yeah. What is your re- recommendation?
0: I picked Mercy by Rebecca Lim, and I've got two discussion or two descriptions here. One is a short blurb that I found on Book Riot, which is why I selected this one, and then I went and got the actual summary from Goodreads. So the short blurb from Book Riot is, Mercy wakes on a bus, soul-jacking a human for a new mission. Mercy is actually an angel, doomed to take on a new human form and left to find new ways to resolve the battle between heavenly beings. It's a blend of good versus evil and quantum leap with a healthy dash of YA romance.
1: That sounds so Sorry.
0: I really loved Quantum Leap. So did I. So then the actual devastating. Andy. I know. So then the actual summary from Goodreads is. Mercy wakes on a school bus bound for Paradise, a small town where everyone knows everyone else's business, or thinks they do. But Mercy has a secret life. She is an angel, doomed to return repeatedly to Earth, taking on a new human form each time she does, in an effort to resolve a cataclysmic rift between heavenly beings. In Paradise, Mercy meets Ryan, an 18-year-old whose sister was kidnapped two years ago and is presumed dead. With another girl also taken, Mercy knows she has to act quickly and use her extraordinary powers to rescue her, even if it means exposing her true identity. No quantum leap mentioned in the summary? Feel like they're missing out.
1: Oh, it's oh boy, isn't it? Oh boy. I'm gonna go and watch One Leap now. Um, after we've had the new indie spotlight, please. Oh, uh,
0: this one is called "Angel at the Paradise Hotel." We got this one recently. It's by Teresa O'Driscoll. When tourism transforms a fishing village on the green and beautiful Greek island of Corfu, old hatreds, envy, and greed threaten to tear the community apart. Behind the scenes, personal demons fuel division, while guardian angels battle to neutralize their influence. Hotelier Jason, planning to get rich, ruthlessly chases his goal, unaware of the trouble and danger he is stirring up. Three visitors from Ireland, America, and Wales bring their own problems. Claire, running from a broken relationship, is drawn into a love triangle with Jason. Aaron, battling a midlife crisis, is closer to despair than he realizes, while Bethany, jolted by a big birthday into doing a Shirley Valentine, is hoping it will sort her life out. As the sizzling summer unfolds, each faces make or break challenges. Extra help is at hand, though, with the arrival of Gabriella, Angel of Greece. When meddling demons prevail and smoldering greed and vengeance reach flashpoint, can she avert disaster? (gasps)
1: Question mark. Question mark? Nobody (laughs) knows. Interesting. Interesting.
0: So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. Psychotically yours, A. (laughs) i mean i'm amanda
1: i'm claire
0: join us next time as we discuss how to sell a haunted house by grady hendrix
1: <laughs> you can find us at fictionalhangover.com follow us on instagram at fictionalhangover. find us on facebook at facebook.com slash and on twitter at fictionalhangover no er if you like this episode check out our others and be sure to rate review and subscribe so you don't miss out and finally special thanks to liz emerson for her music you can find her on facebook and patreon thanks for listening